Com. Tony Cicada here from DailyRoto.com. Alongside me, Ricky Sanders. Ricky, how are we doing tonight? Oh, you know what, Ricky? Just hold on one second, man. Poor Ricky was left in the dust. There we go. Now Ricky's all ready and raring to go. How are we doing, Mr. Sanders? <laughs> we are doing well. It is a sports overload tonight on one TV. I got the eight-game box with all the baseball games, and the other one I'm flipping between the NBA playoffs. It is hard to keep up with, but it's a lot of fun, so I cannot complain. No, I, I definitely can't complain, but uh, I'm sitting here, and it's 10.30 on a Monday night, Tuesday night we're playing, uh, having this podcast ready for Wednesday. And I'll tell you right now, I can come in last and I can come in first in all my leagues. Like, it's it's right down to the finish in all of them. The Colorado game hasn't gone off for the scoring we quite anticipated. Uh, I've got some good pitching performances. I had Liriano, and he had an okay effort in that one earlier. And I, I went with Carlos Carrasco, thinking a lot of people wouldn't take him. Uh, he only came out after 68 pitches, but pitched well and had, uh, I believe, eight strikeouts. And then, but the guy that I rode most is Taiwan Walker of the Seattle Mariners. I said if he doesn't put it against Houston with the strikeout totals of 26%, it's not going to happen in this big ballpark. And two strikeouts in the first thing. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's there because he did have a walk. Yeah, I thought he was a game of Russian roulette tonight. I, uh, I actually did end up using him. I wrote about him that, you know, if he's not going to do it at home against the most strikeout-prone team, then when is he ever going to do it? And I trusted his talent before the season. And, again, the first inning was a little eventful. It took 20 pitches. It took two base runners, but he did it. I just tweeted that breaking news that he got through an inning without an earned run, so that's a good start. We'll see where he goes from here. And we all expected the Colorado-San Diego game to be the big score of the night tonight, but it was actually the Cincinnati Reds-Milwaukee Brewers as Eli Herrera just hit a grand slam to make it 13-10 to in that one. Uh, Ricky, uh, how many lineups do you have with Eli Herrera? <laughs> Man, none of them. I tell you, I was checking on FanDuel, the guy winning the big, uh, I think it was a $3 tournament, had Jay Bruce and, I'm trying to think, who, who was the other one who hit the grand slam? Todd Frazier. And Votto, yeah. yeah, he had a red stack with Votto and Cozart as well, who all homered. So it was, you know, it's tough to catch a guy like that, even though he only had Travis Wood, who wasn't great. But with that, you know, two grand slams in your lineup and more homers, guy's going to run away with it. guy that I considered uh, putting in some of my lineups tonight was a guy, uh, Nathan Eovaldi, and he pitched very well. I did not have him in my lineups. Uh, but they've run into a little problem here in the ninth inning. The New York Yankees, Andrew Miller in, and he just finished it off, but he had bases loaded uh, there uh, for the Detroit Tigers, and he whiffs Rossell, uh, not Rossell Iglesias uh, to end the game there uh, for the uh, New York Yankees finish. It's going to be interesting to see how this, these nights finish out and how we go at it. we got a big slate of games tomorrow. We have one afternoon game on the docket. Now, at DraftKings, there are no tournaments that you can play all day, but there are head-to-head games, some leagues there. When you see one game, does it make you want to play? Because it's Corey Kluber versus Jeff Samadzic, two pitches that people might like. No, I usually avoid the one-game slates. There's you know too much. you got to be too perfect in just a one game. And obviously we have stats in front of us. But as we see on two-game nights in the NBA, you know, you usually have to end up using a backup that comes in and he's 
the guy for the night. Uh, I just avoid the one-game slates. I like when there's more more to choose from, so you know you don't have to be quite as perfect, and I find it more fun. Yeah, there you go. And I think the general consensus is that most of us uh, will not play in these situations. There are times when I'm watching the game and I'm home alone uh, that I'll put it at a $5 tournament and I'll throw one player in from that game. Or there are times uh, when I believe there's two or three games and they're low totals. I'll tell you the truth. Then I'll get in a 50-50 for a pretty high dollar because I feel people that play are obligated to get in those games. So I try to take advantage of when that happens, when there's a couple games, not just one. Yeah, yeah. And, and it helps being in yearly leagues as well for the one-day slates. So even if you, you know, only play 5 bucks or a dollar here, you at least got some players to root for, hopefully, in your seasonal. So it makes it interesting and well worth watching. I just I don't love going too hard on one-game slates. Do you feel like with Daily Fantasy Sports that you feel like you have to have a player in the game so you have something to root for? Sometimes. I, I mean, sometimes, definitely. I, I remember last year when the Bulls were out of the NBA playoffs or, or weren't playing, you know, I kind of stopped and didn't do too much in terms of the daily fantasy in the playoffs. And this year, it's certainly way more entertaining every night, and, and it makes you really pay attention a lot more, pay attention to, you know, the Boston Celtics minutes and see Kelly Olynyk wasn't playing down the stretch today, and he was the day before, and so it certainly keeps you more enthused. And I do find that you know playing daily fantasy keeps me more interested and more focused, and it kind of keeps me on my game. I'll tell you what, I've been doing this a long time. Uh, not only the daily fantasy sports, but sports in general. Uh, it, it, it's crazy. So I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, I've been to Stanley Cup games. I've been to NBA Finals. I was at the All-Star Game at Fenway Park, the home run hitting contest, which had Ken Griffey Jr., McGuire. So so I've seen a lot of things, and I've rooted a lot of things. I, I, I Right now, I don't root for my home teams until the playoffs start. Like, I don't even, there are times when I don't even know what place they're in. Like, I do not know what place the Boston Red Sox are in right now. <laughs> That's how I am all the time, is I can tell you player statistics and anything like that, yeah. and then I'll watch the Cubs game, and, you know, I'll rem- I'll kind of realize that they won. You know, R- R- Rondon will come in for the save, and someone will ask me the next day, how did the Cubs do? And I'll be like, well, Bryant was three for four, and I saw so-and-so steal a base, and Rizzo got a base hit, but I, I don't remember the score. And that's kind of how I am is I'm kind of oblivious sometimes to the standings. I was better this year in NBA because I, I know I'm forgetful, and I made it a purpose to check once a day about the standings. But, but overall, I really kind of lose track of that more than I lose track of you know how individual players are doing. Uh, just to uh, give everybody a heads up, congratulations to the people that owned Edwin and Carcione tonight. Uh, he got a home run for every first initial he has that began with E. <laughs> yeah, he was incredible tonight. There's no doubt about it. I thought that Paul Goldschmidt was the play of the night. I actually have a bet with my dad tonight that he's going to hit a homer. So I was pretty on board with him. Encarnacion I had as one of my preferred Blue Jay plays. I just I couldn't find a way to not get Goldschmidt in there, and I'm I'm certainly regretting it at this point. All right. So before we get to the games and people, thank you for your patience. DailyRoto.com. You can head there tomorrow if you can lead some golf advice. Pat Mayo has some great, great golf advice there uh, to set you up. It's interesting the aspect that you thought Paul Goldschmidt was the play of the night because the guy that I started all my teams with 
was uh, Matt Kemp of the San Diego Padres in the game against Colorado. Uh, lefties again. I thought Adam Jones was another guy there. And then one thing that I didn't get from people is why were they using Dan Heron? Like, do they just think that you can use any pitcher against the Phillies? Is that where we're at now? <laughs> it wasn't there for me. I mean, Dan Heron wasn't on my list of top five starting pitching plays by the end. I don't know. Maybe they thought he was going to come back and relive his glory days because he was facing a a bad offense. But, you know, the problem with that offense is their best hitters are lefties that hit righties. So I kind of try and avoid them unless, you know, you got a dominant righty like Scherzer who shut them down. But I didn't see Heron as such a great play. And I don't know why. Was he was he way over-owned? I, I, I didn't really yeah, notice. Like, yeah, I was shocked at, at some of the tournaments I was in to see him in the 20%. And I was like, these, this is just an indictment on picking Phillies. And I, the reason I say this is, I, sometimes if, I, you know what, sometimes it's harder than you think what, what we do because you try to help everybody out, and then yet you can hurt people pretty easily by giving them great advice because I always go by the thing, don't confuse the result with the decision. So a guy asked me on Twitter today, what do you think of Freddie Galvis? And I said, I don't. <laughs> And the reason is he's hitting ace. If he's hitting leadoff and he was cheap, I would have considered him in that Philadelphia lineup. But I said I liked Ryan Howard and I liked Cody Ashey, and I played both those guys in lineups, and Howard blew it up tonight. And the reason I played Howard was he had a lefty versus a righty. He had a great hit his ballpark and a, a price that wasn't going to get any lower than it is right now for Ryan Howard. Uh, Ashey's actually one of the top ten players in Major League Baseball in hard-hit balls. Uh, it's amazing if you look at those statistics. Uh, Ashy's one of the top ten, and Marcus Simeon's one of the top ten. <laughs> Simeon doesn't necessarily surprise me, considering I've been watching him hit, and he's, he has been smoking the ball, and Oakland as a whole, they don't necessarily hit the ball out of the ballpark, but they hit it hard. In terms of process over results, I mean, I think that my strategy every night is to go. Usually I like to get some of the guys that I consider to be the top, top plays, kind of like an NBA, where a lot of times you'll want one of the top guys like LeBron or Russell Westbrook or one of them, and you go with a punt somewhere. You know, maybe it's your catcher, maybe it's your middle infielder, and if that player, you know, happens to drive in a run on a double or, or maybe they even hit a homer, then you really have the jackpot. So, I mean, Galvis was probably close to the minimum today. I wouldn't necessarily go recommending him, but I also do like the strategy of, of really one punt per night and see if you can get it right. We like to punt. We like to get it done. Will Myers has just doubled in the game. Uh, he's another guy that I had uh, in most of my lineups because he was cheaper out of that whole outfield crew that you could uh, uh, get into your lineups tonight. And it was amazing to me is that Daniel Stubbs, for a guy that's 0 for 13 on the season, his price was right there and, in fact, higher than Charlie Blackman in some of the leagues. <laughs> it's crazy, this Coors Field inflation. I don't feel like it was this this much last year where guys are just – off the charts. I mean, I understand it with Tulowitzki because he's above and beyond, but some of these other guys, you know, 5,700, 5,600 on DraftKings, where you can get some solid three-hitting outfielders or in terms of, you know, a guy like Johnny Gomes, 2,700, a guy who kill, you know, kills lefties. And it was just interesting to me how much they are truly inflated and how the sites just do not want you stacking that whole game. Tony Cicada, Ricky Sanders, here we go. We're going to break it down for you. Wednesday's action, Major League Baseball. First game, we have Miami in Philadelphia. Jared Kozik, Cole Hamels going. Now, I would be attracted to Cole Hamels in Miami 
I, I'd still consider him uh, in Philadelphia. We have a seven total, and I got about six stud pitches pitching tonight. I'm not going to go on Cole Hamels. I don't think it's a great play. And from an offensive standpoint, Jared Cole's uh, the hit or miss. Uh, I'm not loving anybody here, but if you have a couple cheap guys um, that you want to use, like Odabel Herrera you see at leadoff, uh, if you're going to go punt play, I have no problem against Jared Cozart, but I find better intriguing matchups later. Well, the thing about Cole Hamels so far is he's been giving up homers at a, at a significant rate. And, you know, it is a, a low total. Uh, I didn't have a total here, but you said it was seven, so I'll take you at your word for it. But, you know, I can see playing Giancarlo Stanton, and they have a guy who the Cubs had for a while, basically is a lefty specialist, Jeff Baker, who who crushes them. Yeah. And I think if he's in the lineup, he's going to be cheap, and he's a guy I would use. And, and I think Michael Morse is a guy that if, if Hamels leaves a pitch up, could leave the yard. So I actually like a few of the Marlins just because the way I've seen I like, Cole Hamels look. Go ahead. I like Ricky for being young and having the fortitude to bring up some craziness. Here's the way <laughs> I look at it. I like the Jeff Baker call, and I think you're extremely right on the money. Now, why I don't like the Giancarlo Stanton call, everything you said is 100% right. He, he Lefties, home runs, Camels lets up. But you have the whole league to choose from. Why mess with Cole Hamels? I bet you in a little while I'm going to find another intriguing matchup against a poorer pitcher, so why bother? That's true. I think I agree with that. I think you could go with it in a in a tournament shot. I think the best shots are the cheaper shots here. Morse and Baker if he plays, but I agree with you. I, I think I, I, I could find some other pitchers to go against, and there are some guys I have highlighted elsewhere who I'd probably prefer, and I don't really love any of the Phillies either. And after saying that, I guarantee you Stanton will hit four home runs tomorrow night. So <laughs> you could put that put that in your bank uh, right there. Atlanta and the New York Mets go at it. We've got a 7.5 total, 151 favorite. Dylan G versus the immortal Eric Stultz. Uh, Stultz left-handed. Now, Lucas Duder, of course, steps out in a big, big way against Eric Stultz in this one. Uh, David Wright would be a guy, but he's not in the lineup. He's a hurt. You look at it, this is not attractive. As good as the Mets are playing, we can't jump out out there. A guy that I did play in some lineups tonight is another guy I would like in this one, but again, hits eighth in the batting order. You can't go crazy. Wilma Flores, a good hitting shortstop. Now, call me crazy because of the Mets winning streak and, and the way they're playing right now. And, you know, I've mentioned on this podcast before that I think Eric Stoltz is a complete bum, but I think he's maybe worth a spot start tomorrow in two-pitcher league because his price is going to be so low. And in terms of the Mets, you know, David Wright was above and beyond their best guy to hit lefties. And so you're left with, as you mentioned, you know, Duda, Kadire, and Mayberry, who are all slightly above average, but, but nothing to write home about. I think Stoltz, based on the matchup only, and this is a team who's been hot hitting, so, so I'm going kind of out on a limb here, but you know I don't believe in the hot streaks. I think they're all random day-to-day. I think Stoltz could be worth it because he's going to be so cheap, and maybe he allows you to fit some bats in, and you could probably go with a stud pitcher besides him you know, in two-pitcher leagues. All right, so I like the Mayberry play. Like I, I, I would go there, but the only problem you have to remember is if these games stay close, is that Mayberry gets pinched hit for a little later in the game, and that always 
bugs the crap out of me. Uh, but I like Mayberry. I think it's a guy with some power. And in this matchup, definitely could have an opportunity. Uh, so we'll see how that one plays out. Ricky, you're feeling a little risky tonight, a little crazy there with uh, Eric Stultz. But last time you pulled one out of there, you, you nailed it. I can't remember who it was, but it was a, it was a unique individual. Hector Santiago, I think, was the yes. last guy I, I disliked and said I was going to use. Yes, he I, I, and I told you he couldn't break a pane of glass. That's why I can't use him. <laughs> exactly. And I stick by that statement, but he did pitch that well. Chicago and Pittsburgh go at it. They put up some big runs. And I did use um, a guy that I don't think is very good. Uh, I used the Pittsburgh shortstop Kang tonight in, in the game because uh, Travis Wood was had an opportunity there. He's a, a guy that doesn't pitch that well versus righties, but it was a good ballpark. Hamill, I love as a pitcher. I think he's very underrated. Vance Worley gets here. I don't know, seven and a half total. Not a lot of guys that jump out in this game, but when you think about it, there should be some guys because we have so many elite pitchers. You know, other than loading up on all San Diego players tomorrow night because they they're going up against Kyle Kendrick, uh, it's going to be tough as we go down the list to find some uh, guys here. So maybe someone out there could find a guy in this Pittsburgh Chicago game they like. Well, I like Jason Hamill as a mid-tier pitcher. If you don't want to be risky and go the Stoltz route, you know Pittsburgh is a team middle of the, middle of the road offense, strikeouts in the top eight. So I think you can go with Hamill. Uh, but the hitters I like in this one are actually the Cubs. I think Jorge Soler is going to be a contrarian option because a lot of people will be stacking some of the other games. And I don't love, you know, Vance Worley's skills by any means. I don't think I can use Rizzo, even though I think he's a good matchup. I think Montero's okay, and I probably wouldn't go much below that in terms of the Cubs. But, you know, Solaire kills the righties, and I don't think Worley's great. So I think he can be used in this one. He's probably my preferred play on either side. The NFL schedule came out tonight, and now the Cincinnati Reds are leading Milwaukee 16-10 to and waiting for an extra point in this one. Uh, <laughs> this is insane here. As with this, They're only in the seventh inning, and we're doing the show. Uh, Todd Frazier is 2-for-3, three, three runs scored, four RBIs, two bases on balls. Brandon Phillips is 2-for-5, two, two RBIs in this game. Joey Voto keeps it going, 2-for-3, three, three runs scored. Uh, Jay Bruce... Has four RBIs, two runs scored. It's just been one crazy night for the Cincinnati Reds. Have the Brewers scored ten runs combined in any three games previously this season? Is a serious you know question. <laughs> no, it's a great point. They're actually the lowest scoring team in Major League Baseball. Yeah, exactly. And they, I know they were lowest in home. I think they have five homers now with with the homer at least earlier in the game. I'm not sure if they've homered since then. I know they were tied with. J.D. Martinez for home runs this season, and Stephen Drew was one behind him. But, wow, this is quite the, the offensive explosion. I think the line on this one was seven, so they certainly went way over in, the, in, that, in that way. San Diego and Colorado go out of James Shields, Kyle Kendrick. Now, this line is ten. One casino has nine and a half. Shields is a great pitcher, but he's a fly ball pitcher. Uh this game could be interesting with Kyle Kendrick. I have gone in the last few days uh, on sites that allow you to play as many San Diego players as you can. Derek Norris has been automatic because he's left-handed, so I'll take him out of the equation against Kyle Kendrick. I have put the whole Padres lineup in my outfield uh, the last few days and forgot about the Rockies outfield, except where you got utility. I used Dickerson the first night before he got hurt. 
Um, and I've been throwing Will Middlebrooks and Jed Jerko in my lineups. i got to be honest, the Padres are the way to go in this one again, and there's so many elite pitchers, I don't think you're going to be able to get these elite pitchers and Troy Tulowitzki in your lineup. I agree with you, and it's actually, you know, if you're going to face off in Shields, obviously Coors is where you want to do it, where the curveball's not quite as tight, and, you, you know, the, the changeup could hang a little because of the, the elevation, so... The Rockies are a little bit enticing, but again, they're in Coors Field. They're going to be way overpriced. If you're going to pay up in that ballpark, you want to go more against Kyle Kendrick. And I think if you're going to go that route, I I want to be contrarian tomorrow because I don't necessarily think the Padres are going to end up scoring the most runs yet again. You know, in cash games, it'll be safe to go Upton, Kemp, maybe even Yonder Alonso or Will Myers. But I think if you focus on Upton and find some plays elsewhere in tournaments, you should be good. I don't know if I want to go with the full stack again tomorrow, but it's certainly an option. When you were a kid, did your mom tell you if you didn't leave it alone, you'd go blind? <laughs> I I didn't hear that as a kid, but I have heard that before. Ian Des, oh no, it was Yunel Escobar just did a two-run homer to win the game for the Washington Nationals over the St. Louis Cardinals in this one. Uh, he crushed the ball here. I thought it was Ian Desmond, but Yunel Escobar has gone deep here. Yunel Escobar with his, you know, one of five homers that he'll be hitting this season. So enjoy that one. And he just slid into home plate <laughs> head first. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I asked you if you ever were told you'd go blind is when I looked at the line for the L.A. Dodgers San Francisco, I got a five-and-a-half total in some uh, casino, so I had to make sure it wasn't a hockey game. Madison Baumgartner and Clayton Kershaw in a great pitches ballpark in San Francisco. I don't know how you don't play Clayton Kershaw tomorrow. I agree with you. I think this line is low. I think I may actually be betting the over. Because Bumgarner, I know home away splits, especially for one season, are nothing to write home about. But he was not very good at home last year. He was dominant on the road. And I think the the Dodgers have some bats to combat the righty. In terms of Kershaw, there's just not, especially without Hunter Pence, there's not a lot to counter a dominant lefty. I mean, Buster Posey can hit the lefties. And then it goes down to, you know, in terms of weighted on-base average, leaders on the team against them, Joe Panic and Norichka Aoki. So, really, you do not have much to worry about in terms of offense against Kershaw. I think this could be a dominant Kershaw outing. I actually think the Dodgers could win this one pretty handily and maybe even cover, cover that over-under by themselves. I really like, if you're going to go cheap and you want to go contrarian, you know, Scott Van Slyke. All right, so this analysis is not going to do you any good for this game because there's no way you'll ever use Madison Baumgartner, and there's no way you should. And you can't even use them in two-pitcher sides because you can't use both these guys, and I respect the Dodgers' offense too much. But I'm going to tell you this for guys that have Baumgartner in season-long leagues or if you want to go out and try to get them. If you look at his numbers, they are so misguided because of the home run ball. He threw two poor pitches in that game in Arizona that cost him four runs. It's the same situation as we have going on with Brandon McCarthy, and then you saw a correction last game. I think Baumgartner is a guy you need to target in his season-long leagues. I agree with you. I mean, I'm not worried about him overall. It's just in this one, and I'm really just waiting for him to break out. There's no real worry with me 
season long. You know, eventually, maybe even the next start, he's going to come across a matchup, and I'll be using him. But I, I agree with you. I don't see anything really worth worrying about in terms of his stuff. He's just been a little unlucky, which happens in the game of baseball. Baltimore, Toronto, go at it tomorrow. Ubaldo Jimenez, Aaron Sanchez in the friendly confines of the Rogers Center. I don't know if it's going to be good Ubaldo, bad Ubaldo. Uh, you can throw your Edwin and Carcione's. You can throw your Jose Batista's in. Uh, Josh Donaldson better against lefties, but you can throw him in there tomorrow. Uh, Jose Reyes was back. I don't suggest him. And Aaron Sanchez has been the same. He's getting blown up. I would be uh, looking at Snyder. Uh, in fact, I'm going to tell you right now, it would not shock me in this game to be a highest-scoring game than the game in Colorado. <laughs> I can definitely see that because these are Jekyll and Hyde pitchers, and so far they've been more of the bad than the good. You know, Aaron Sanchez has yet to really find his control or really throw the solid outing. I, I, I agree with you. I really wouldn't be that surprised. And I think a lot of people are going to be on the Toronto bats against Ubaldo Jimenez. And I actually may favor the other way. I may go with the Orioles and go with the Chris Davis, you know, Adam Jones, Alejandro Diaz. I think that could be a nice little stack that people won't be using. And I think Chris Davis could hit a bomb. All right. If you want to save a little money and you don't want to go with Clayton Kershaw, you got to consider this guy. The New York Yankees and the Detroit Tigers, David Price against Adam Warren. Somehow it's a seven and a half total. I think that's a reflection on Adam Warren. The New York Yankees are right-handed hitters. You're only looking at uh, basically Alex Rodriguez and Mark Teixeira, his betty, uh, against lefties. Other than that, Every one of them are going to be challenged by a lefty. David Price is not the second-best pitcher tomorrow. He's 1A. Yeah, there's actually one other guy that I think I like slightly more than David Price, and that's, I mean, I'm not talking about Kershaw. We all know about him, but besides Kershaw, I think there's one other, but I agree with you. The Yankees, pretty strikeout-prone, pretty weak against lefties, especially a dominant lefty like David Price. I like him a lot. I, I agree with you. The seven and a half is probably going to come from the other side, which means you'll probably get offense from the usuals. Miguel Cabrera, Victor Martinez, who looks hurt, by the way, so I may not be using him. He really has not looked good the last few days. And Alex Avila, who hits righties, he might be a nice catching option. We'll see where he bats in the lineup. We'll see if Victor Martinez stays in the lineup with the way he looked today. But I think you want to go offense on that side and pitching with David Price. You know what's crazy? I just saw Edwin Encarnacion, one of his home runs, hit the third deck at Rogers Center. I watched every home run that Nelson Cruz has hit today, and he hasn't hit one home run that's gone more more than five feet over the fence. <laughs> really? I mean, I've every, seen his, his swing. Everyone's been a, good. Yeah, everyone's been a scraper, a wall scraper. It's amazing to me. Well, we know a lot of Nelson Cruz's strength was synthetic for a while, and Encarnacion is just a big dude. So he can, he can get the ball up. He can hit some bombs. You know, people were worried about his back coming into this year. But, he, you know, he's had a sore back for a while. I, I saw a beat reporter say he's never missed a game in the regular season with that bad back. And, man, he, he's showed us tonight that everything looks healthy. Jose Batista, I was thrown at in tonight's game. Uh, and then he stood at home plate, watched the game, flipped the bat towards the pitcher, and actually yelled at the third baseman going by. I love all the action happening in Major League Baseball this week uh, with all the craziness between the teams. 
Now, isn't that the best feeling? I don't think I've ever seen that before, by the way. A guy getting his, thrown at his head and then hitting a bomb. That's got to be the best feeling in the world. Adam Jones was yelling at him from right field after he did because he was doing his home run trot, and then he yelled at the guy, and, oh, talk about redemption. That's got to be the best feeling in the world. The poor umpire doesn't know what to do in this situation right now because Jose Batista is yelling at at Jones from right field, and Jones is standing <laughs> on the top of the, the dugout. It's the most uncomfortable thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They uh, Even Joe West wouldn't know what to do in that game. Yeah, so there you go. There you have it. Uh, baseball absolutely is getting it done, uh, I think, this week with the competition. And, uh, you know, a little festive, a little feistiness is going on in Major League Baseball. you got to love that. Boston and Tampa go at it. Joe Kelly versus Nathan Carnes. I like Joe Kelly, to tell you the truth, in this game. If you want a guy for a second cheap pitcher and you're not using all these elite guys, you can never use them on FanDuel in a one-pitcher site because you'll get killed with all the strikers that will mount up. Talk about a guy that throws 95-96. Tampa, not a great offensive team. And we saw tonight them get shut down by Wade Miley. Yeah, I may be a little ahead of ahead of myself on this one, but I think Joe Kelly is just a much improved pitcher. I think his breaking stuff looks the best it has this year. I think his location has been very good. And like you said, his stuff looks awfully nasty. This Tampa team, you know, Evan Longoria is not really hitting yet. Their best hitter has really been like Kevin Kiermeyer, and he's really the only threat that I that I see against Kelly. I'm looking at the guys who who are the best against righties. You know, DeJesus, Loney, do those names really scare you? They don't scare me. The over/under is not too high. I, I like Kelly and going against Carnes. As always, you know David Ortiz looks like an elite play. Not sure I love with Hanley at his price. I guess you could use Nava as well, but more so, I agree. Kelly's kind of a nice mid-tier pitcher. If you want to go with kind of a middle-of-the-road guy on Fanduel, I actually do think he could rack up a decent amount of strikeouts on here. Well, that's crazy. I, I yeah, I wouldn't go on that. I wouldn't take that risk. I think it's it's very similar to what I thought with Gene Carl Stanton. But if you're a guy with a plays multiple teams, it's definitely going to give you an advantage if something happened there. So uh, I don't yeah. fault you there. I just speaking, if you're going to have two or three teams uh, in a, in an, uh, in a night, I don't think you can take a chance and not go with one of the elite pitches on a site like FanDuel with so many limited positions and. Uh, pitching being so prevalent among the score. Minnesota and Kansas City. Jeremy Guthrie, Mike Pelfrey. This is eight and a half total. Uh, great pitches ballpark, but two pitches that are suspect. Jeremy Guthrie is a guy that has a fly ball tendencies, uh, but not a lot of big bats in Minnesota. In Kansas City, I think Mike Pelfrey is one of the ten worst starting pitches in Major League Baseball. Uh, but you got Alex, uh, you know, from the left-handed side, not a lot to love there. Alex Gordon comes to mind. Uh, you know, Kendry Morales is in a position here. Eric Hosmer. Yeah, I think Gordon, who went deep tonight, if I'm not mistaken, actually, yes, he did. He's starting to show the power, finally. He's, he's been kind of a guy who's been disappointing. I think Pelfrey could be a guy who helps keep the momentum going. I think you could use him as a cash option. I don't know how great of a threat he is for a home run on back-to-back days. You, you could take that shot. It's a shame because I like going against Guthrie, but I'm not going to use Maurer at the position. He's eligible with all the big bats there. You know, Danny Santana's a safe cash option against a bad pitcher hitting first, but unless he's qualifying at shortstop, I really do not have much interest in using him too, which is a shame that these two bad pitchers go to waste. 
And it's interesting when you look at that and see how that plays out. A lot of people thought that Haas was been a disappointment. And it's so funny because Kansas City is just a bad ballpark for power. I think the hist- the Kansas City Royals haven't always been bad. Like, people don't remember. They used to play the Yankees a lot in the AL championships. And in the history of that great franchise, I believe the career record for home runs in one season is 32 by Steve Balboni. Oh, jeez. I mean, Sosa hit 60 in, what, three or four years or something like that? <laughs> so he doubled theirs. Oh, man, that's pretty brutal for a franchise. Oakland and Los Angeles go at it. Seven and a half total. Sonny Gray, Jared Weaver. Uh, Weaver's a guy that I'd like to pick on. Oakland, one of the, you know, it's a sort of a secret. One of the better teams offensively thus far in the young season, yet nobody jumps out for me from a power perspective that you go out and grab in this Oakland game. The one guy who stands out to me is Ike Davis, who I think is going to be cheap, assuming that he plays. They've kind of been going with a interesting rotation. You know, sometimes it's Billy Butler, sometimes it's Canha, sometimes it's Davis. So if Davis is in the lineup against Weaver, I think that's the perfect kind of matchup for him. In you know, in L.A., Davis is kind of a pure-powered lefty, so I, I think that presents a good matchup for him. You know, Sonny Gray's a good pitcher. Seven and a half is a decent number. You could use Trout, Pujols, Joyce if you wanted to, but, you know, I, I kind of respect Sonny Gray, and I'd rather go in a different direction. Well, there's a lot of good-hitting environments. This one is not a good-hitting environment, but i still got to get some some guys in this game. Roberto Hernandez, J.A. Happ, go at it. Uh, get out your Nelson Cruz, get out your Robinson Canoes and Seattle. I think they come into play. The only problem is the ballpark here. And in Seattle, Jay Happ has the ability uh, to let up some bombs here in a Houston team that strikes out a lot but should have some power in it. Um, do you dust off? I went Ryan Howard tonight. Nobody's been worse than him. Is tomorrow night the night you dust off George Springer? It very well could be. I don't really like this matchup for Hap. A lot of the Astros actually hit lefties pretty decently in terms yes. of power. So I, I agree with you. I think you could go Springer. I think it could be a game where you dust off Evan Gaddis, who's been another guy who's been absolutely horrific. So if you're trying to clean the closet and trying to be contrarian with, with guys that have been hot yet, you know obviously Nelson Cruz is in play with how hot he's been and, and the matchup's good again. But if you want to go in a different direction, you know some of these Astros could be the play. It's a big ballpark, but you know Gaddis and Springer are two big guys with big swings. They could possibly hit it out. Oh, Yosemite Tomas started at third base for Arizona tonight. And I just watched a play of the worst-looking third. If it was Little League, I would have yelled at the kid. Uh, he basically had a ground ball hit to him. He tried to backhand and moved out of the way of it, and it went under his glove. Oof. I I, I haven't checked up on Tomas's offensive day, but I used him because he was minimum priced on FanDuel at third base, and I couldn't find really anyone that I loved. I haven't checked up on that, but it doesn't sound like, you know, if he's making plays like that, they were already worried about his defense as is. He's not going to get an extended look at third if he's making little league-type errors. Well, offensively, he has done it with one for two with a run scored, so he, he hasn't let you down there. There we go. That's all I'm worried about tonight. Uh, Yovani Galato, Anchie Bradley go at it, eight and a half total. Now, people that are unintelligent and don't listen to this podcast could fall into this trap. Uh, there are other people that love, you know, rookies and love the latest thing. 
I think there are going to be people tomorrow that are going to actually go to Archie Bradley again. And Texas ain't a great offensive team, but it's a great ballpark. There's no way you should have Archie Bradley in tomorrow, and yet we'll see people do it. No, no. Texas, you want to go lefties against Texas. The whole team is left-handed, especially at home in Texas, which is a hitter's ballpark and one of the better home run parks. I agree with you. Bradley's been solid, but he's not one that I'm really considering. I would much rather wait to see a lefty against that team. You know, I think it's something like seven of their nine usuals are left-handed, so I agree with you. Bradley's not really in my consideration tomorrow, as good as he's pitched. I'd rather use, again, some of the Diamondbacks' offensive guys, Goldschmidt, David Peralta, if he's in the lineup, and A.J. Pollock against Gallardo. There you have it. Tony Scott, uh, Ricky. Uh, Ricky, you were absolutely amazing today. Uh, Ricky Sanders is uh, one of the guys that came ready to play tonight. Uh, he did a podcast earlier today. I heard you on another podcast with Chris Mitchell. Yeah, it's been a day full of baseball talking today's slate, talking tomorrow's slate. I've been on top of my stuff today. I've certainly been busy researching, even on my downtime when you haven't heard my voice. Great stuff. What's going on at Daily Roto? What kind of articles can we expect from Ricky Sanders? Well, we already discussed tomorrow's slate, and there's a pitcher we haven't gotten to, Johnny Cueto, that will be probably the headline pitcher. Damn, did we skip the Reds game? What the hell happened there? I missed the Reds game. I think we skipped the Reds game, but I'll do the talking for this. Start Johnny Cueto. I think he's probably the best value of the night if you don't want to go with Kershaw. We we mentioned him and David Price. I think he's going to headline my article for my MLB picks. Then at the end of the weekend, I think I'm going to be doing a NBA playoff pick article like I did last week. I had been doing reviews, but the pick article went over well. So I think I'm going to do that again. And then guess what? I'm on vacation next week. I am going to Marco Island in Florida, so I will be off. Wow. That's very – like, it doesn't get better than that. That, that. Marco Island's great. They have, like, alligators walking around. <laughs> yeah, I actually don't know what to expect from from Marco Island. I haven't heard the alligators one yet, but I'm definitely yeah. excited to have a week off of things. I'm sure I'll be playing some, some daily fantasy, but it will be nice to roast in the sun. Your dude, Hector Santiago, uh, has four strikeouts in two innings tonight, and Johnny Givatella has a three-run homer. <laughs> this, Those are the things that we tweet at. You can't predict baseball, the Twitter, because just, there are just some things that are incredible. You know, Santiago wasn't on my radar tonight against an Oakland team that doesn't strike out very much, so what does he do? He's got an 18 strikeout per nine through two innings, and Johnny Giovatella, I can we count his major league home runs on, on one hand or two hands? You know, no, of probably. course he goes yeah. deep. Absolutely. <laughs> Guys, listen to Daily Roto. Make sure you go there and check out all that's happening in the world of fantasy sports. Uh, Tony's got a Ricky Sanders. We'll be back Monday through Friday. You can hear the show. The first thing when you wake up in the morning over at DailyRoto.com. You heard it all. Now we're out of here. Wish you luck. Get continued success on a Wednesday. Uh-huh.